0: how good is it to be together so good well let me tell you why I've never gotten a tattoo it's not the pain all right it is the pain but even more it's the permanence I just you know I know that no matter what I get in two years time I'm gonna look at it I'm gonna go what was I thinking I always have to look back at haircuts I've had over the years or T-shirts that I've worn or things that I've put on social media. A few years back, it comes up again and you just cringe. Like, what was I thinking? I just don't want to make a permanent decision that I'll regret. Is anyone else the same? Surely. Yeah, there you go. The more permanently... Sorry, the more permanent the decision, the more seriously you take it. Isn't that right? This generation, the generation is afraid of commitment. But tattoos, they're not really permanent, are they? I mean, you can always get laser removal. Or if you break up with Mary, you can always turn it into Marge. (laughs) But we agonise about what we're going to do after school, even though you guys will probably have five or six different careers in your lifetime. So that's not even permanent. That's why you feel nervous before your wedding it feels very permanent doesn't it and as a Christian it is but even then there are some tragic circumstances where it can end but it's right isn't it to take very seriously our decisions around getting married staying married because of how permanent the consequences are in fact if you do want to know who God wants you to marry come to weekend away next weekend I've got a list you can find out And if you're engaged, it's not too late. (laughs) But what if I told you that there's something even more permanent that you can do to yourself? Even more permanent than getting married. Even more permanent than having children. Even more permanent than drunk driving and ending up in a wheelchair. Something that, if you were to do it, for the rest of your life, you could never undo it. And it would be disastrous for every single thing that you care about how seriously would you take that area of your life have a look at hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 it's a warning about exactly that it says it is impossible if you fall away as a christian verse 6 to ever come back to be brought back to repentance father this is an incredibly important and tricky passage Please help us to take very seriously what you've got to say tonight. Give us soft hearts. Help me to speak clearly and truthfully. Keep me from saying anything that's wrong or unhelpful. And please help every person listening to understand your word. Guard us against misunderstanding. Most of all, Lord, please use this passage to do what you want to do in us. Use it to help us hold on to Jesus all our lives... And to grow up into maturity we ask this in jesus name amen we'll have a look at chapter 6 verse 4 it says it is impossible for those who've once been enlightened who've tasted the heavenly gift who have shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Impossible. If you are a Christian and you fall away, verse 6, it is impossible for you to ever be brought back to repentance. Did you know about that danger? Some, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Someone's watching Sesame Street did you know about that danger some people don't know about it they they think that we can just treat Jesus however we want and he is forgiving this is not saying that there's a sin that's so bad it can never be forgiven no Jesus says all sins can be forgiven but if you were to live in a way where you stopped trusting Jesus altogether If you were to walk away from following him there is a point where you would fall away from jesus and this passage says that would be the point of no return you know how you can get quite close to the edge of a pool and then jump back but there is a point isn't there where you've lent out so far that there's no coming back no matter how athletic you are why well it's because god won't have you back Look at the end of verse 6 they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace falling away is like crucifying him all over again humiliating him think about his love for you he went to the cross for you after all of that To turn your back on him to to essentially say this other thing is more important to me than you it's to reject him all over again and so if you're a Christian the most permanent thing you could do to yourself is to fall away from Jesus if you were to reach that point there's no coming back verse 7 land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed this is an analogy that land receives the blessing of god verse 8 but land that produces thorns and thistles no fruit thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed in the end it will be burned the land that produces no fruit is burned what a what a terrible picture of god's judgment the consequence of of falling away is that you're not saved not heaven but hell These are really big things and if this is your first night tonight, welcome, it's good to have you. You've come on an intense night but it's an intense night because God thought it was important to put this into His Word. This is just where we're up to as we work our way through the book. God decided that we needed to hear this. I was once at Terrible Haven with Jono and we were up on the hill looking down at the rocks below and there were these big waves crashing and down there on the rocks was just a young couple having fun with each other and you could tell they were tourists and they were right on the edge as waves were crashing anyway we we turned around and we were on our way back down just to keep enjoying our day but I have this thought in my head what if tonight I turn on the news and it's them they're missing people think they might have been swept into the, the water Do I yell out to them? Do I go back up? Now, I don't want to interfere in their lives. I don't want to embarrass them. In the end, I did. Walked back and I yelled, Oi! People have died! (laughs) They look up at me, wave, and then they did walk back from the edge. Now, Jono laughed at me. He thought I was a bit of a weirdo I probably was it was probably unnecessary but does anyone here think I was being mean to them does anyone think that was loving even if it was a bit weird well thank you it's nice to have a fan all right (laughs) now whether or not I needed to yell out to those particular strangers at that particular time to warn someone is loving isn't it if there's a real danger verse 9 he calls these guys dear friends he loves these people and so he warns them in our modern world everyone always wants to stay positive maybe even especially in the christian world it's it's important to stay positive that's not that's not what god thinks we need all the time god loves you and that's why he wanted you to hear this warning tonight if you've been around here for a little while you'll know that we believe god so loved the world that he gave his son to be the savior that we need you'll know that we believe the bible when it says that Jesus' death on the cross is the only thing that can take away our sins. But it's good, isn't it, that it can take away our sins, which means we actually believe the Bible when it says that every person who's not trusting in Jesus to save them, they pay for their own sins forever. Now that's a warning you need to hear, but that's actually not quite the warning of this passage. This one goes a little bit further. It turns to you, the Christian. And it says you beware of ever falling away from jesus it's permanent very serious i wonder is that how seriously you take your faith in jesus i wonder if that's how seriously you would choose a church if you ever moved house I wonder if that's how seriously you're fighting sin and temptation that could choke your love for God. I wonder if that's how seriously you choose your closest friends, the ones who have the most influence over you. But as we think about how to apply this, we actually need to ask two really important questions. The first one is, is this actually talking about Christians? Or is it describing someone who who gets close to becoming a Christian but never actually becomes a Christian? Exactly who is this warning to? It sounds like a Christian, but some people have argued that um, it's just someone who's become part of a church but has never actually become a genuine Christian. Look at the description of this person in verses 4 to 6. It says, those who've become, verse 4, enlightened. Maybe they've understood the gospel, but that doesn't mean they've actually put their trust in it necessarily does it they've it goes on to say tasted the heavenly gift they've tasted it they've had a little sample but they've, they've never actually eaten it deep down you Now they've shared in the holy spirit they've been around christian community and they've enjoyed the holy spirit's influence you know they've they've enjoyed the peace and the joy and the love that the holy spirit brings to the community even if they've never actually had him living in them personally And so in a similar way, they've heard God's Word and they've experienced God's power in in that loving community. But it's never actually been real for them personally. And so maybe, some people say, it's a bit like the soils. You know, in the parable of the sower, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell on the path and it didn't sprout. They, They hear the Word of God, but they don't understand it. Other seed falls on the rocky soil, where it's shallow. And so... They hear god's word and actually happy to hear it they receive it with joy the plant sprouts up but when suffering comes they don't have deep roots and they wither away a bit similar is the the third soil some um, seed falls in the weeds and, and again it sprouts but the weeds also grow up around it and, and choke it and the worries of life the other priorities money pleasure it gets in the way it's, it's not different today is it Other priorities so easily can get in the way. And so out of the four soils, only one was the good soil. Only one bears fruit. And so Jesus says, be careful how you listen to God's word. And so one lesson from that parable is that people could look like Christians. They receive the word, they sprout plants, it looks good. But actually they never really become Christians. They don't bear true fruit and they don't stick with it. And so that parable proves that it is possible to have a a sort of faith that's not genuine faith. You understand the gospel, maybe you could even explain it. You, You might even believe that it's true. And you sort of trust in it yourself, sort of. You join a church, you join a growth group, you even help out. Maybe you even make some changes in your life. But actually, at the deepest level... You haven't really trusted Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. That's false faith, not true faith. And so let me urge you while we're talking about it, if that is you, stop. Stop trusting in yourself or anything else in this world and rely completely on Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord. We're not saved by the amount of our faith. We're saved by the one our faith is in so it's not about having perfect faith jesus says as small as a mustard seed will do but it must be true don't play games as we come back to church out of lockdown great to have you here what a great time to make sure of your salvation if you've got one foot in jesus's boat but one foot still on the the jetty of this world sooner or later you just get a groin injury don't you Get into the boat both feet repent of your sin trust jesus be saved all right so is that what hebrews 6 is talking about or have i wasted your time is it about people who come close to being christians close to believing but never true christians well just think about what the passage would be saying if that was the case it would be saying if you get close but then walk away You can never come back is that what it's saying i don't think so but i don't think it's been a waste of time if you read it closely it has to be describing a christian have a look again chapter six verse four it's impossible for those who've been enlightened if you were to flick to chapter 10 verse 32 you'd find that exact word enlightened being used for the process where they became a Christian, they received the light. It's the same thing in his mind to become a Christian, to receive the light. 6 verse 4 again, they tasted the heavenly gift. Is that just a little sample? Well, if you go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, you read that Jesus tasted death, and it's the same word tasted. Jesus did not just have a, a little experience of death but miss out on the full thing. No, he, he went through the whole thing. And so tasted the heavenly gift, that doesn't mean they only had a little bit, it means they have it. But maybe most of all, they shared in the Holy Spirit at the end of verse 4. Not just they were around the Holy Spirit, it says they share in the Spirit. Just like chapter 3 verse 14 says that Christians share in Christ. is the same word. To share in the Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit. And only true Christians share in the Spirit. Lastly, look what it says is, important, uh, is impossible for them. It's impossible, verse 6, to be brought back to repentance. If it's someone who never really became a Christian, what that would mean is that they never really repented. And so why would it say it's impossible for them to be brought back to repentance? Wouldn't it just say it's impossible for them to be brought to repentance? It is describing a genuine Christian. Brothers and sisters, if you are a genuine Christian tonight, this passage is for you. If you fall away, it's the edge of a cliff. You lose everything. But that brings us to the second really important question. Is that even possible? To fall away as a Christian? Because... There are stacks of really important and incredible parts of the Bible where God promises to hold on to us, aren't there? Some will come up on the screen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, "...being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus." Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has, oops, sorry, go back a bit. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. He says it again. That's why no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Next one. Last one. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. If you are one of God's chosen people, God will hold on to you. And he will help you hold on to him. And nothing can change that. I heard a great illustration at another church while I was on holidays a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever been to Wet n Wild and just waited in the line for a thousand years? You're watching your life trickle away, you're thinking about all the plans you had. I could have been a doctor. (laughs) You start to wonder, will I ever get there? What if this park shuts? What if Jesus comes back? But then there comes that glorious moment when it's your turn... To take the donut you hit the stairs now you've actually still got another four hours of queuing to go but you know you're getting on that ride don't you you've got the donut the Holy Spirit is like the inflatable donut but this is an incredible truth it's called the perseverance of the Saints everyone who comes to real faith in jesus by god's grace is then helped by god's grace to keep trusting jesus to the end so if you're thinking of becoming a christian but you've been thinking i just don't think i could do it i couldn't just keep doing that i couldn't live like that i couldn't trust him for the rest of my life you're absolutely right you can't but god can you see, what makes you think that you'll wake up a Christian tomorrow? You? You can't even keep a news resolution for one month. But God has you. There's your confidence. So if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, good news. Come to Jesus and He won't let you go. He'll put His Spirit in you. The deposit, the inflatable donut, guaranteeing you're right into heaven. And by that Spirit, He will help you to hold on to Him. Good news. But maybe your growth group this week has been scratching its head. Because then, what is going on in this passage? Because verse 4 talks about what would happen if someone who shares in the Holy Spirit, then falls away. I thought that never happened. Why is this talking about something that won't ever happen? Here's the answer. It's because this warning is one of the ways that God holds on to you. This warning, warnings like this, is one of the ways that God holds on to you. You see, it is still a real danger. You are still a real person making real decisions. Even if you are a genuine Christian, if you didn't listen to this warning... If you were to treat your faith like something that doesn't matter, and just stop trusting in Him and stop following Him, you would fall away and be lost. But thanks be to God, that won't happen. Because if you're His, He will use warnings like this to make sure that you take it seriously. You see, all true Christians, as we've seen, have the Spirit in them and God, by His Spirit, has written these warnings and God, by His Spirit, works inside of you to make sure that you listen to them so that if you are really His, if you you do have that Spirit, you won't walk away. The warning always works. Do you see? I'll give you an illustration I've heard Andrew Heard and others use. Imagine there's a cliff and if you fall off the cliff, you die. It's a normal sort of cliff. And God's Word, um, sorry, God's work, to keep you hanging on to Him. It's not like a big perspex wall around the cliff edge, so that it doesn't matter how you act, you know, you could say, stuff you God, drink a case of vodka, ride a motorbike, and you just bounce off the wall and you're okay. So you can't just run towards the edge and bounce back safely. It's not like that. It's more like this. God has put signs all around the edge saying watch out danger keep well away and you know they're the voice of your father who loves you but more than that he's put his spirit in you to help you to see them and to care about them and to keep well back from the edge do you remember what jesus said in john 10 my sheep hear my voice if you were to ignore the signs what would that show about you it would show that actually he's not your father So, if you are a genuine christian you will be kept safe by god by him helping you to take the very real danger very seriously so that you cling to jesus do you see how it works so let's think about how this applies firstly are there people that you know and love who seem to have fallen away how does this apply to them does this mean they can't come back does it mean we we have to give up on them no because remember this passage is about what happens if a genuine christian falls away but it's possible that your friend was never actually a true christian in the first place that would mean this warning's not about them they're still in danger because they're not walking with jesus but it's not impossible for them to turn back to him or, or maybe they are a christian but they're going through a season of of coldness Deep down, they they could be still trusting him. You wouldn't want to be in that situation. You wouldn't have much confidence that that's what's going on, but it's possible. And and that might show itself as they one day come to their senses and warm up to Jesus. In fact, maybe that's even happening for you tonight. And so don't give up. But they are in a very serious situation. Verse 8, the land without fruit is in danger. And so they need our prayers. and They especially need the words, our words, reminding them of the gospel. But this isn't here to say give up, rather it's, say, it's here to say don't go there yourself. And so let me ask you, are you taking this danger seriously? What's in your life that could take you away? Work? A friend a love interest or a hunger sin doubt what action might you need to take to make sure that doesn't become your downfall do you need to repent of something confess to someone delete something commit to someone oh, sorry commit to something commit to doing something do you need to Say to someone, I'd like to talk to you about my doubts and my questions. In fact, take a moment now in, in prayer with God for yourself. I'll pray for myself as well, for about 30 seconds, and pray about some of those things that maybe are coming to your mind. Father God we don't want to fall away hold on to us hold on to me and thank you that you've promised to do that amen well, we've done all the hard work let's finish with a bit of application more application from the rest of this passage how do we make sure that we we don't fall away well firstly we need to know when we're in danger how do you know when you're in danger that's chapter 5 verse 11 to chapter 6 verse 3 and i think this passage is is just as scary it's just a lot easier to understand see what is this terrible thing that's in their lives that could lead them to fall away from the living god what is it that he's noticed in their lives that means he's interrupted his message about jesus the high priest to warn them to make sure they're listening to it it's laziness in understanding the word of god look at verse 11 we have much to say about this but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand you're not trying in fact in the greek it's the word laziness you're lazy listeners who would have thought that mere laziness was enough to get you into that kind of trouble but it's what it shows about their heart Verse 12, they they need people to teach them the basics all over again. They're like a a high schooler who just keeps watching Sesame Street over and over again. He mentions some of the basics in chapter 6 verses 1 to 2 and some of them are are pretty obvious. But is anyone scratching their heads about the two in the middle? What are cleansing rites and the laying on of hands? There's actually lots of different opinions about what they mean. Maybe it's because they've come from a Jewish background into Christianity, and so it could be teaching about what they should do with their old Jewish practices. Now, I take it if those were the kinds of things we needed to be clear on to be saved, then it would be really clear here and in other parts of the Bible. So if you don't know what's going on there, it's worth thinking about, digging into, but it's not worth freaking out about because that's not the main point of this passage, is it? The main point is. That they actually should be going deeper verse 1 therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about christ and be taken forward to maturity they're like the the building on henry parry drive do you know what i'm talking about it was just a big hole in the ground for as long as i can remember for some reason someone's bought it they've got a da done they've dug a massive hole and then they just stopped it started again now which is nice to see every time you see a building that hasn't been finished Think of this passage they started to build but then they stopped that's the the warning sign that he's noticed about them and so to avoid ro- uh, falling away we need to make sure that we are growing as a christian it's a bit like riding a bike you know if you stop pedaling go right for a little bit then you start to wobble then you're down chapter 6 verse 1 he says let's move beyond the ABCs beyond the basics and be taken forward to maturity so i ask you this are you maturing and the way he says we mature is that we eat up God's word verse 12 you need milk you can't handle solid food Now, what's milk milk is the basics solid food is is going deeper it's it's new things that you learn more difficult things you ever look at the muscly guys at the gym And and you just wonder, do they go home and they just eat their mum's breast milk? Is that how they got so big? (laughs) Sorry, it's a disturbing image, isn't it? You know that's not what's going on. The bodybuilder, Ronnie Coleman, you know the guy? He's like, lightweight, baby, that guy. He's been Mr. Olympia eight times. He said this, you see me big up there, but I didn't get there overnight. I put on between five and ten pounds of muscle a year. And that came from all that heavy lifting and a lot of eating. A lot of eating. And every single day he would eat egg whites and and more than a kilogram of chicken and beans and then a whole steak and then French fries and rice and potato, not to mention all his supplements. He He ate like two or three times what everyone else was eating. That's how he got so big. I think you also need to do the working out bit a little baby they can't handle steak but as you grow you can handle solid food that's both the sign that you are growing and also the way that we grow now it doesn't mean we forget the basics someone in my growth group this week had a great analogy it's like reading a book you know you you read chapters one and two but then you keep reading but that doesn't mean you forget all about them you bring them with you as you go forward into the book My guess is that early on in your Christian life, you were hungry to know more. Is that still the case for you? Are you still trying to learn new things about God and His Word? There's absolutely nothing wrong with hitting the gym. But are you more disciplined with the gym, or your study, or whatever it is, than you are with god's word you know there's, there's no command in the bible to, to read it every day you don't need to you don't need to feel guilty if you miss a day that's not how the gospel works you don't have to read your bible every day but do you see how serious it is if you're not trying to grow in it god wants you to mature and the maturing christian is the one who's going deep in god's word Verse 12, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. God will use it to grow you. Verse 1, it actually says, be taken forward to maturity. God is the one who's doing the work. And so one application of this could be, that tonight you register for a weekend away i want to go deeper into god's word or you join a growth group for next year they're wrapping up for this year or, or as you listen to sermons as you sit in growth group or read your bible you're hunting for the bits that are new to you the bits you don't quite understand and you say i'm going to go deeper there i'm going to talk to someone about that after church or i'm going to be brave and ask my question in growth group I'm not just going to assume that because everyone else seems to get it i'm a dummy maybe they don't get it either i'm going to, who cares i want to know i'm going to ask my question or maybe you're going to get a recommendation of a good audio book maybe you're going to buy a commentary and work your way through it but what will happen over time is god will use it to grow you and you will become the sort of person that god can use to teach others do you notice that in verse 12 by this time you ought to be teachers not necessarily in an official role but it If you've been Christian for a little while now, one sign that you are maturing the way God wants you to is that you've learned things from God's Word that you're able to share with other people. So maybe you you do become an EV Kids teacher or a a youth group leader or a growth group leader but maybe you don't even have a title. Maybe you're just looking for opportunities after church to speak into the lives of people, your brothers and sisters, truths about God. Maybe you say, would you like to start meeting up every week in a cafe to to read the Bible together? I'm not your leader, we're not going to be each other's um, leader. We're just going to be brothers and sisters teaching each other as we read God's Word together. Which brings me to a question. All the way through Hebrews, I don't know if you've noticed it, but time and time again it said how much we need each other. If you were to start to drift, one of the gifts that God has given you is other Christians to, to teach you. To, to notice things in your life maybe even to warn you like the author of Hebrews is doing to these guys did you notice that's what he's doing in this passage he's he's seen worrying signs in their life and out of love and concern he's talking to them about it so here's my question imagine someone around here did that with you a concern maybe a correction maybe even a rebuke how would you react that would say a lot about you and if you develop a, a soft heart to, to correction it'll actually help you not to fall away see let's let's assume that they do it well they do it gently and with obvious love in their eyes would you be would you be angry how dare you how dare you or would you be would you be thankful proverbs 27 verse 6 says this Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The enemy's always the fun one to hang around in in this proverb. Monique said gross. <laughs> it's, it's a proverb, you've got to think about it. The friend who loves you enough to have a hard conversation with you does you a massive favour. Doesn't mean they're always right. But they're doing you a favor would you welcome it as a favor would you say to them thank you now I really know that you love me in fact that's a good thing to say because it lowers your defensiveness and it cultivates a soft heart and also means they'll be more likely to do it again which doesn't sound like the most fun outcome but you actually do get to benefit from the wisdom that God has given your brothers and sisters but I think the most dangerous response you can have is you can feel judged which means you stop listening and you push away the very people who are trying to help you i've seen it happen i want to say that i think sometimes feeling judged actually can say more about you than it says about them brothers and sisters if, if you're going to have this sort of conversation with someone do make sure first of all that there isn't a judgmental spirit in you remember we're, we're all sinners But in my experience christians especially at this church are not judgmental when i've sinned when i've seen people i know sin christians at this church run towards them they rally around them with love and acceptance and support and grace but sometimes people can still feel judged why is that i think what's going on there is that it's it's just what our guilty conscience does because you're actually judging yourself and so you imagine that's how they feel about you. Someone speaks to you that they may not be judging you, there might not be any condemnation in there at all, just concern, but you project your self-judgment onto them and you interpret it as, "Ah, oh, they're just judging me, those judgy Christians." I think if you ever find yourself reacting that way, beware. In fact, you may need to just pause and remember God's grace it's possible you've forgotten it's even possible you've never truly understood that our salvation doesn't depend doesn't get from our own performance because of jesus our bad deeds no longer disqualify us from god's love in fact they qualify us for his forgiveness we've seen it all through hebrews haven't we we saw a few weeks ago jesus knows what it's like to be weak to be tempted He never sinned, but he's our great high priest who stands in the presence of the Father, holding his own broken body as a sacrifice that took every ounce of punishment and condemnation that your sins have ever accumulated. And he says to the Father, look, it worked. The plan that we made to save the people that we love has worked. And every day you sin, but every day he stands in the Father's presence saying, They are with me. I've dealt with it. And so if you're a Christian, or if you become one tonight, you are washed clean of every sin, every single spot, every guilty mark on your conscience. God does not condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you. We as a church don't condemn you. You, therefore, ought not condemn yourself remember your blood bought salvation in jesus why would you ever want to drift away from that and as you feel judged remind yourself no condemnation i'm washed clean and you'll start to see yourself the way we see you not with condemnation with love and i'm so pleased to say that one of the marks of god's grace at work in this place is that grace rather than judgment is what i see you guys showing to one another And so if your first instinct is ever to feel judged can I encourage you just as you would want them to assume the best of you that's a good idea assume the best of each other just as you would want them to assume the best of you you assume the best of them assume that it's love not condemnation concern not criticism remember that proverb wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses Your non-Christian friends, they'll tell you, don't worry about what God says. You've got to be true to yourself. That's what you want to hear. An enemy is multiplying kisses. Instagram will tell you to celebrate it, live your best life. An enemy multiplies kisses. But when your Christian brother or sister or your growth group leader or a pastor at church says, Hey, can I have a chat with you about something that I've seen in your life? Wounds from a friend can be trusted now i hate it personally whenever it happens to me you can see the conversation coming a mile off can't you you know it's never going to be encouragement actually sometimes it should be don't be the the one that's always calling the fouls but never patting anyone on the back but when i feel that correction or or whatever coming i've tried to train myself to start praying god give me humility help me remember this is an act of love give me wisdom to hear anything that's true in it if you want to mature as a Christian, if you want to make sure you don't fall away, one of the most helpful things you can do is become a person who listens well to other people's feedback, their corrections, their warnings. Now, it's not easy as a 20-year-old, but it's far, far harder as a 45-year-old, unless you start practising now, get into the habit. Now, if you ever do have that conversation with someone, here's a little tip. It's a good idea to try to end with some encouragement, isn't it? Well, that's what the writer of Hebrews does in his conversation as well. So, finally, very, very briefly, let's look at chapter 6, 9 to 12. And we're not going to go through it all. But the big message, in fact, we're not going to go through it at all. The big message is this I've given you a hectic warning. Don't fall away. But I'm confident that you'll listen to it because I've seen fruit in your lives in the past, I've seen evidence of God at work in you it's looking wobbly recently but I'm confident that God will use his word the the, the warning what he said here to help you to keep going so just keep swimming that's his message to them that's that's his message to us tonight as well I used to get so unbelievably excited whenever someone would become a Christian at a youth group camp and don't get me wrong I still do There is nothing more exciting in the whole world than seeing a person come to know jesus and receive eternal life forever may that happen heaps over summer there's nothing more exciting than that except for one thing this is what's changed for me there is one thing more exciting than that it's the next day when the person continues as a christian it's a year later When they're still making decisions to follow jesus and making decisions that he would approve of in their life it's a decade later when they're standing firm as a christian dad a christian mom a christian worker it's the 85 year old who's got lung cancer and struggles to walk but who can't wait to meet his savior and friend who has held on to him for half a century And it's every week that i I come here and i see you guys and i thank god that he's held on to you through his word and so let me finish by reading to you preaching to you the words of verses 9 to 12 i've warned you tonight with god's warning but verse 9 even though we speak like this dear friends we are convinced of better things in your case the things that have to do with salvation God is not unjust he will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may become fully realized we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Loving Heavenly Father, please do that in every single one of us. Amen.